This is the Food Navigator podcast, your deep dive into the stories that are shaping the future of food. I'm Food Navigator journalist Flora Southey, and today we'll be exploring food tech innovations that are transforming transparency in supply chains, particularly in palm oil, soy, coffee, and cocoa. I think the brands are now equally pushing because of the consumer demand and also because of the push of the regulators. I mean, you see in the US, you see in Europe, the regulators are pushing a lot for, you know, um, supply chains to be more transparent. Orbital Insight is a tech company based in California. But when it comes to supply chains, it often finds itself focusing on areas further afield in countries like Indonesia, the world's largest producer of palm oil, or in Brazil, which produces more soy than any other country globally. These two commodities are extremely contentious, with a lack of transparency in supply chains continuing to allow for unethical practices. Orbital Insight is working to stamp some of these out. We caught up with Orbital CEO James Crawford to find out what technology the company is using to address these challenges. Starting with the question, what are the key issues facing the palm oil and soy sectors? So there there are several issues facing the sector, um, and it really comes down to the fact that this sector is just so big. You know, palm oil and soy um, appear in so many consumer products. And, and the cumulative impact of the global demand for these commodities as can be huge, especially on com- countries like Indonesia. And it, and it really manifests in several ways. The one people worry about the most is deforestation, and that's the one that, that we focus on. But it also affects you know, the ability to maintain other environments like peat environments. And, and we also worry about the livelihood and, and the overall treatment of the people who are doing the farming. And mostly people living in small villages, and there's a large number of smallholders. So all of these are issues. But I think the, the the deforestation issue tends to rise sort of head and shoulders above the others. Absolutely. And we see that in the media a lot. The big mm-hmm. FMCGs are committed to deforestation-free. Uh, most of them were had pledged to completely eliminate deforestation in palm oil supply chains by 2020. I think we've seen that that was mostly unsuccessful and some players mm-hmm. have pushed that back to 2023 and perhaps even later. So I'd like to know how are food makers going about this? How are they trying to wipe out deforestation and what technologies are they using? So they, they've really tried <coughs> several different technologies. One of them is, is there are certification groups um, that, that certify that a particular mill or a particular farm or a particular refinery is, is environmentally sustainable and has no deforestation impact. Those are, those are uh, wonderful certifications, but they're hard to get. And, and a really small percentage of the mills and the refineries and the farms are actually certified at this point. And it's especially hard with the smallholders because we've got on the order of 3 million smallholder farms in Indonesia alone. And, and, those, are, and those guys are responsible for something like 40% of the production of palm. So you can't ignore them if you're trying to look at effects of deforestation. And, and if, you're a, if you're a consumer goods company, you can't just buy from the big producers because then you've locked out 40% of your potential supply. So, so um, getting down to the point where you've got certifications at that level is incredibly hard. Um, so the other thing they've tried to do is they've tried to, by hand, 
calculate basically the exact structure of their supply chain. So which refineries are they buying from, which mills are those refineries buying from, and which farms are those mills buying from. And they've been fairly successful down to the mill level. But the interesting thing is that there's about 3,000 mills. So they can pretty accurately tell you which mills they're buying from. And that's been a ton of work. They've done a ton of great work to get to that point. But then trying to figure out which of the 3 million farms each of those mills is buying from is pretty much stymied them. Because trying to do that by having people you know, drive around in, in four-wheel drive vehicles and motorcycles in Indonesia is really very hard. Um, and I, that's been one of them. That, that lack of visibility, that lack of traceability has been one of the biggest factors that's made it incredibly hard for these companies to, to guarantee no zero deforestation in their supply chains. Um, but it's not that they're not trying. They're trying incredibly hard. And as I say, they've done great job, a great job of establishing certification programs and of by hand tracing back to the mill level. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there are technologies like satellite technologies that, that are helping them progress. Absolutely. And we've been involved in a lot of that. So we've been we've worked over the years with Global Forest Watch to build AI algorithms that can, for instance, tell the difference between a managed forest and a virgin rainforest. Because people from time to time, a, a managed forest gets cut down because that's one of the things you do when you're managing a forest. And that's not deforestation. Deforestation, by definition, is when you take a virgin rainforest that was previously wild and cut it down, even if you then turn it into a managed forest. So since we've been building algorithms that can that can look at satellite imagery at scale and tell the difference between managed forests and and, and real rainforests, we've been helping a GFW really track accurately both the extent and the location of deforestation. So a lot of progress has been made in that area over the last, I'd say, five to seven years. Um, the challenge still remains, though, that that if you know exactly where the deforestation occurred, that still doesn't help you if you don't know exactly where your palm is coming from. Because that deforestation could have been occurring for some reason that has nothing to do with palm production. Uh, or maybe it was your fault, maybe it was an impact of your supply chain, right? So, so you've gotta have that traceability down to the farm level, plus the satellite imagery's ability to tell you where deforestation is occurring. When you put those two together, that's sort of the magic solution for where you can really guarantee that your supply chain is not causing deforestation. So how does your technology allow us to have that transparency to be able to see both at the same time? Because I, I completely see what yeah. you're saying. You can, yeah. you can see where deforestation is occurring, but you really need to be knowing who is supplying your palm oil to that mill. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so what, we've been, what we've been doing is we've been working directly from the um, Internet of Things data, essentially anonymized cell phone data. So it turns out that depending upon what apps are on your phone, we can often get a pretty detailed, like every 15, 30 hourly pings from cell phones. And we don't know whose cell phone it is. We just know a cell phone went from this location to this other location. So what we do is we start from the mills, we look at all the cell phones that showed up at a mill, and then we look at where they came from. And and once we do that over a long period of time, not just a day or a week, but over a period of months, a pattern emerges. And it doesn't tell us anything. And we're, we're, very, we're very respectful of privacy. We have very strong privacy policies where we never track individual people. But when we look over an extended period of time, we look at the pattern of life of where the traders are coming from and where they're going to. And basically, when they come to a mill, where, where are all the places they came from that day? So we can actually see where the pickups are occurring that are coming into a mill. And we've been working with Utilever to do that at 2,000 mills across Indonesia. 
and really get a picture of really, really get a, an empirical graphical picture of, of where the traffic is coming, where the traders are coming from when they come to those mills. I'm glad you picked up on the on the pilot work you've been doing with Unilever, um, because obviously this is huge for FMCGs right now, but these supply chains are very long and, you know, they start with smallholders or poor plantations, work through a number of, of middle players, FMCGs, and mm-hmm. then onto the consumers. I'm wondering who is who's truly benefiting from this technology? Well, I think at the end of the day, if we can guarantee, if we can show, you know, a real guaranteed lack of deforestation and really help the FMCGs purchase from mills that are not linked to deforestation, um, at the end of the day, everybody benefits because the end consumer benefits because you feel better that, that the food bars you're buying are not causing deforestation. Obviously, the FMCGs benefit because Unilever will tell you that their products, which are environmentally sustainable, are growing are the fastest growing products in their offerings worldwide. Um, and, then the, and then the farms and the mills um, benefit as well. Um, because they can charge, they can ultimately charge more for their goods and get closer to a living wage. Um, but when they know, when they can show that um, their work or their farming practices are not causing deforestation. Do you think there's potential for this technology be, to be applied to other commodities? I mean, cocoa is is another problematic one that comes to yeah. mind. Yeah, we've been we've been looking at soy. Um, same kind of technology, same kind of concerns, many smallholders, complex, long supply chains, but also we can use the same technologies um, looking at with the satellite imagery where deforestation is occurring and where bad farming practices are, are occurring and then using the anonymized cell phone data to, to, to map out the supply chain. Cocoa, exactly the same thing, as you point out, same kind of problem. It, it, cocoa can be, can be um, farmed sustainably, right? It's an understory crop, right? It actually grows under larger trees most effectively anyway. Um, so it can be farmed sustainably. Um, but again, there's many smallholders and a, and a fairly complicated supply chain. So you have to understand and trace the supply chain um, and, and then be able to understand where deforestation is occurring. I have to ask you one last question because mm-hmm. as as we've discussed, the SMG, FMCGs are nearing towards new pledges to be deforestation. Do you believe that deforestation-free supply chains in the palm oil sector are possible? I, I'm optimistic, um, and I think the the um, evidence I would give for that is that is that we actually have seen some significant decreases. You know, even though. These companies have not been able to get to guaranteed zero deforestation. We saw 75% less Indonesian forest loss in 2020 than we saw in 2019. And, and you know, we're, we're a very small part of that, but we're proud to be a part of the tracking of this and, a, and ultimately a part of the solution. And I think everybody wants to see it happen. There's no particular reason that, that palm oil production requires deforestation. So, yeah, I'm optimistic that we'll get there. I think it will take a number of years and, and, a, and a variety of technologies working together. Turning our attention to coffee, we see some similar concerns associated with a lack of transparency from crop to cup. I'm based in London, where my local coffee shop sells a cafe latte for around £3, and I often have to queue up. They're selling a lot of coffee. Now, it's estimated that more than 21 million families make a living from coffee, yet a great number are living below the international poverty line. I'm seeing a disconnect here. What's happening along the supply chain? And what impact is an imbalance in supply and demand having on the coffee sector? I ask this very question to Michael Crismont, who is the CEO of Geneva-based Pharma Connect. 
Yeah, I think there's there's really um, there's really sensitive con- context. So if you look at the past years, um, you know the coffee prices have been stable, if not decreasing. And if you look at where it's heading, um, you know it's forcing that the, the the coffee demand will multiply by three by 2050. So there's really a problem. You know, there's there's little incentives to the producers and the farmers, but the demand is exploding. So it was a bit why PharmaConnect was created is to solve that issue, to try and find, you know, ways to add value and actually additional value and create that value in a better shared way. Um, so obviously, you know, these days the transparency is not too much there, uh, but there are ways and there are means um, to to optimize that um, for, for all, I would say, because then we can look at the angle of the farmer, but let's look at the entire industry because if there's no incentives for the others to move then nothing will change so i think that's you know positive that the demand is growing and that we have opportunities to kind of balance and create more shared value across the board absolutely and do you think that that's really a push and a pull in the supply chain a consumer what are consumers wanting from their coffee well, actually, uh, consumers want a lot for their, from their coffee. So good coffee means different things. So I would say first and foremost, the quality. Um, so there's definitely quality and aroma and how it fits you. Uh, so you need to be informed about that. You need to understand what's behind. You need to understand all the notes and the fruity notes and the quality of it. Uh, that's the first part and the most important part, I would say. Then it has to be fair. Um, so going back to your previous question, fair to the people um, uh, and fair to the people around them uh, and, and hopefully also fair to the environment. Um, it has to be transparent uh, in a way that you need to understand what's behind. And lastly, I think it has to be human. Um, uh, you know, the vision of PharmaConnect is to humanize consumption through technology. There are people behind the produce of, uh, of coffee, human beings. Uh, we can connect people. Um, uh, throughout the world and technology is a great way to do that. So it's a bit complex, it's a bit multidimensional, but all the people want that. They want quality, they want fair, they want to be transparent and they want to have human relations. Great. Well, let's home right in on that technology then. I'd love you to explain how PharmaConnect is addressing this lack of transparency using technology. Yeah, so PharmaConnect is is an end-to-end uh, traceability solution. So it's really enabling this end-to-end traceability from the farmer all the way to the consumer. The other thing that PharmaConnect does is enable collaboration. So we're really an ecosystem that is organizing and structuring all the players of the supply chain together and connecting everyone in between. The last thing probably that we need then when we have organized this end-to-end approach and that collabor- collaboration approach is, is to be trusted and, and secure. I don't believe there's one single source of truth, but if it could be combined, if people can you know, check on what they put into the platform, what they put into the supply chain and verify that, then we're stronger. So establishing that end-to-end uh, traceability, being collaborative within the same ecosystem and building trust is the key and, and, and really central of everything that we do at PowerConnect. And what technology are you leveraging to create this end-to-end solution? 
So first of all, it's not one technology. It's true that people are talking about blockchain a lot. We use blockchain. We're in partnership with IBM since we started IBM Food Trust. But it's not only about blockchain. It's really about the use cases and, and all the use cases we can consider. So we're using blockchain, but we're using also other technologies such as SSI, so self-sovereign identity that uses uh, now in our medical records or COVID passes. Uh, cloud, we look at accessibility, we look at connectivity, we look at the real experience we're providing, uh, how we can leverage uh, mobile. And, and all of those technologies or means of technologies are equally important to address. Having said that, if we look at blockchain in particular, which I think you know is key to enabling this end-to-end -end collaborative approach, the benefits of blockchain are, are numerous. First of all, it's good to organize that collaboration. It's good to organize the governance of that collaboration. It's very good to um, create trust because you know people are entering uh, data within the blockchain and then it stays immutable and it can be also verified by other parties. So um, this is why I think you know blockchain is 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 a great application uh, or a great use of technology specifically in supply chain. Uh, we've heard a lot about crypto related to blockchain and this has created some uh, emotions, uh, let's say to say the least. Uh, but blockchain technology applied to supply chain is really a game changer. I'd love you to be able to take us through perhaps the, the entire chain and, and explain at what points data points might be added and, and how different technologies kind of, kind of work through from origin countries right through to the consumer. Um, yeah, supply chains are complicated. And the real question is, is to ask, you know, who benefits from this technology? The answer is everyone. And, and it has to be everyone. Otherwise, there's no incentive for uh, for this to change because you need you need reasons you need you know incentives for everyone on the chain so when you lay down all the players of the chain it's 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 numerous and it's complicated you have the farmers then the farmers get together in groups of farmers in regions then it moves to a cooperative then probably it moves to a mill like a wet mill or a dry mill then it gets transformed get get moved to a port where it gets exported then it gets shipped and it gets imported then when it lands in, in in another country then probably it gets transformed it gets uh then packed distributed goes to retailer goes to through brands and then and end up in, in consumers hands either directly or through retailers or, or or in cafes so just by all the names that i've given you you see the complexity of it let me take you know probably an example of the benefits of of two. Uh, so if I take example, uh, farmer, the farmers can benefit from being in that chain through first knowledge. So we're talking a lot about agricultural practices these days, you know, water management, carbon, uh, deforestation, side label, I mean, you, you name it. So they can learn a lot by being connected uh, and enabling better agricultural practices or showcasing the great stuff and the great, uh, you know, the great practices they already do, uh, because sometimes it's unknown and sometimes they don't get paid for that. If they do enter and they showcase that, they can probably get premiums out of that because they have good agricultural practices and then they get a better price for their produce. And, and lastly, as an example, their access to finance by being, uh, you know, connected, sharing data, being transparent is greater. So with more finance, more access to finance, then they can sustain their crops. 
another example, if I have time, is the benefits from uh, for traders, for example. And so they can make uh, four different benefits. The, the, the first one is immediate operational savings and efficiencies. Um, you know, you reduce the back and the middle office costs by, you know, the removal of very labor intensive or, or, or the duplicated task by being connected. That's the first step. Um, then the second is digitalization uh, or, or unifying or better management of the entire supply chain because then, you know, with Pharma Connect, you, you have less multiple kind of IT platform, you have better control, you have better oversight, uh, and you remove a significant element of risk also as well uh, by human mistakes or, or fraud. The third is the, um, uh, the assurance of uh, really trustworthy, sustainable uh, reports. So these days, the traders are being asked on reporting. Uh, they do that quite manually. And with PharmaConnect, since they have the data, they can automate their reporting. Uh, it could be, you know, it could be more correct. It could be more timely. It could be auditable. Uh, so it goes faster. And also, I would say the last one is that obviously for specialty coffee, so the single origin coffee, it's it's more easy. But uh, for for the non-specialty coffee, it's also possible because PharmaConnect can not only manage one trace, but they can manage uh, several origins, different blends. So you allow premium to be paid on on the on more complex product, let's say. So. It's really, it's really key for, for them. Then for the brands, you know, potentially the, the last example we gave is that they can bring, you know, a lot of, a lot of insights. They can build brand trust. Uh, they can be really have a genuine connection with the, with the consumers and establishing a direct link, you know, with the end consumers uh, rather than through retail or online intermediaries. And they can also gather first-party data. So there's a lot of benefits to them also as well. These are three examples from farmers, traders, and, and, and retailers slash brands about the benefits of, uh, of using such technology. I can certainly see that a lot of players can benefit. I wonder who's really asking for this technology. Is it the traders or is it, is it more the coffee brands themselves? I think there's a, there's a lot of drive uh, from the industry itself, the traders, because they know they, they need to give additional incentives to, to the farmers to continue their produce. Uh, I think the brands are now equally pushing because of the consumer demand and also because of the push of the regulators. I mean, you see in the US, you see in Europe, the regulators are pushing a lot for you know um, supply chains to be more transparent. So whereas you know the brands are most of the time not always pioneering, now they have enough reasons to actually progress in that direction. If we were to move now to focus more on the retailer and the consumer, I'd love to talk about uh, your Thank My Pharma platform. How does that mm -hmm. respond to the needs of, of these two key groups? Yes, thank you. So Thank My Farmer, um, you can access it in, in, through thankmyfarmer.com or through a pack that you find in retail. You find a QR code on the pack, then you flash it and you would land on Thank My Farmer. Uh, this is a platform that allows uh, easy access to the information that was gathered through the supply chain. It's easy through a mobile. You just flash this QR code. As, as I just said, you don't need to download an app. You don't need to register. You don't need to share your data. And there's even a step further because you can learn 
the journey of the product, but you can also contribute to some sustainability projects that are connected to the to the pack of coffee or, or the tablet of, of chocolate that you have in your hand, because we're also active in, in cocoa and chocolate. Um, and if I gave an example in the UK of orangutan coffee um, from, from UCC, they have connected with their product some sustainability projects uh, on the ground in Indonesia to preserve uh, the natural habitat of orangutan. So as a consumer, you can contribute with, you know, a few euros or Swiss francs or pounds to uh, those projects. And they usually are matched by the brand. Um, so you see also then your contribution going back straight to the origin countries. You can trace that back. It's also traceable and, and managed through blockchain so that you make sure that your contribution goes down to where it, it should go. And, and that's really creating that, that bonding, that, that also you know, long uh, experience uh, and engagement of, uh, of the consumer. As I said before, the brands, you know, are obviously interested in, in longer engagement time. They're also interested in what works and what clicks with the consumers. So they're, getting, they're gathering a lot of insights in terms of what are the key projects that really resonates with the consumer. They get to link also to their own ecosystem. People can buy more product also through the platform. Uh, they can gather first-party data on their own ecosystem when people are interested, they want to know more or, let's say, register to a CRM program, for example, and they get uh, a lot of engagement. We've seen with uh, clients that their engagement time was moving really, really high. The average, like one of our example moved from... Uh, one of our clients moved from about 20 seconds engagement on the landing page to about 1.5 minutes and, and for some of them all the way to more than four minutes. Absolutely. I guess that really speaks to growing demand from consumers for sustainable products. Uh, coffee, certainly. You mentioned chocolate. Does that mean that Pharma Connect and Thank My Pharma can be applied to, to the cocoa supply chain just as it can to coffee? Yes, indeed. Actually, uh, you know, we started back in March last year to work on cocoa and chocolate uh, with some clients. We have an amazing uh, program together with uh, Cloeta, which is a Swedish uh, uh, chocolate brand, and the IKEA Foundation and Rainforest Alliance uh, to measure the impact of such technology and minimum living wage in Ivory Coast. Uh, so these are very concrete uh, projects that, again, I've listed several players. So it's, again, the idea that several players are engaged with them uh, behind that. Um, you, you talked about consumer demand and, and, and the trends there. Um, there. There's a very interesting research that has just been published by Deloitte about the movement of consumer demand. And what's interesting is they've done that research uh, before COVID and they just ran that research again now after COVID. And it's increasing. It's, uh, it's really, really developing very, very fast. Uh, a third of consumers are really, you know, highly engaged with adopting a more sustainable lifestyle. That's, that's about 32%. And equally important, about 28% of consumers are, have stopped buying certain products due to ethical or environmental concerns. And uh, that's across the board. If you look at specifically Gen Z, so the youngest uh, of, of, of us, 
Uh, unfortunately, I'm no longer in that uh, in that category. Uh, but really, the younger one, uh, they're also adopting more sustainable behavior. But it moves to 50%, so 5-0, 50% reduced how much they buy, and 45% uh, have stopped purchasing brands because of ethical and sustainable concerns. So um, as the wealth is you know, transferring to younger generation, um, really sustainability and ethical consideration will, will need to really become the standard and, and we should be really transparent throughout the value chain. It's really, uh, it's it's really there. And if I take now examples of our clients, uh, and to give you very hard facts now, uh, we we've done together with Amazon because Amazon with their private label coffee, Happy Billy is a client of ours. We run a research together with LSE, so the London School of Economics, and we did some A/B testing on um, you know call to action with sustainable claims and with not sustainable with no sustainable claims and they got an increase of 30 percent on buy now buttons uh, when when these claims were were there with some proof behind uh, so really a third of increase of, of sales and and the last example is um, a, a brand called segafredo storia from the Massimo Zanetti group, which is a major you know, coffee player. Um, and they've launched this new product across Europe, dedicated vertical telling the, the stories of farmers in a transparent way, leveraging pharmaconnect technology. They achieved sales, uh, their yearly target in two months. Um, so, and, and you know, one of the retailer Carrefour did, did a whole, uh, um, 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 topic and, and article and video about that and how the product sold really really well so when when you're having this approach when you're being transparent you're telling the right stories you're uh, allowing uh, contribution and, uh, and 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 the real you know stories behind with good agricultural practices it works also from from a business standpoint which you know at the end of the day um, is, is is what triggers the most movement it sounds like certainly consumers are increasingly wanting to buy sustainable products. Do you believe that they're willing to pay a premium for ethical coffee and chocolate? Yes, uh, yes, we, we, we do. Uh, we see that, you know, the two examples that I've just given you, I think are really a proof of that uh, because, they, you know, they're more interested, they spend more time, they're shared information, they're contributing to project, and then, and then they buy um, and 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 as I said before, through the Deloitte research, we see that by making more educated choices, you might actually think twice about what you buy, but buy better, and 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 buy you know fairer, uh, if that even exists in English, uh, or more fair. <laughs> um, let's say yes, uh, we see we see the proof of that. Well, technology is obviously playing a significant role in boosting transparency in supply chains, helping food makers address unethical practices right through from the farm to the fork. And it's quite clear from these discussions that demand for transparency, demand for sustainably sourced ingredients is building. Let's keep an eye on those FMCG supply chain targets. Technology will be playing a crucial role. You've been listening to the Food Navigator podcast. Please join us next time.